Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of All Things NBA, presented by Ball is Life. I'm Chris Persiane, and here alongside the freshly surgerized Zach Noble. No, we're not talking about procedures. We're talking about that haircut, man. Oh, my. So if you're watching on the YouTube, minute. if you're watching on YouTube, you see our video pods that we always have available. You see Zach's fresh ass cut right now. And we are here to talk today about the start of this 2024 NBA season. It's time to give our predictions for the Eastern Conference, how we think the standings are going to go down. Teams 1 through 15, you name it, how this is going to shake out. Zach, we start at the bottom, right? I mean, let's. that was our plan, but I want the listeners you know, to, to, to you know, get a peek at the behind bottom? The, I want the listeners to get a peek behind the, the curtain here at how we plan this out. So I do have to ask you, when you said cut, did you mean my hair or the cut on my nose? Because <laughs> um, I got a magnet tile thrown at my face the other day. And Uh-oh. Fun. Uh-oh. <laughs> We're getting sliced and diced. Uh, but yeah, 15 through one. Let's let it rip. All right, man. Well, listen, for me personally, um, at 15, it was simple. Uh, you know, when you're picking a team to finish last, of course, you're thinking tanking everything of the of the above. Um, the Charlotte Hornets, man, are just in a really, really brutal spot as an organization right now. And when I'm thinking about game in, game out teams that are going to have an internal desire to compete for all 48. You know, I think Steve Clifford does a good job of cultivating that kind of culture, but it hasn't shown on the court. And the reason I say that is because um, they're not good, <laughs> you know, and LaMelo ball, pretty much all potential still. I think that he has shown a lot on the court as ter- in terms of being an offensive option, like a really good offensive option. The problem We have not yet seen his defense balance that out. We have not yet seen him have the teammates where his creation for others is impactful enough to balance that out. Yes, he gets you a lot of easy buckets, but he's about to play with like a legit center for the first time this season if Mark Williams is ready to go. You know, so I've got them last. I I, am going to fade them. I'm going to fade their desire to win and their motivation. And I'm going to just venture to guess that this is, this is your worst team in the Eastern conference. Not because I don't think they're talented enough to be better than it, but because I think game in game out, this is a team whose season motivationally ends early. So I can accept that. um, But I have um, 11 through 15 in my tier four, I have four tiers in the Eastern conference. I can really accept any team in this order. Uh, They're not my number 15. It might shock you. Um, they finished 14th last year, and I'll tell you my reasoning why, but uh, mainly is LaMelo only played like 38, 28 games? What was it? Yeah, 36 games. Um, and then a lot of other injuries otherwise. And so they didn't have Miles Bridges all year. Um, I think they're getting better, but a team that got worse to me uh, that definitely moved to the barrel of the bottom, and I truly think this team has like all-time – worst team in Eastern Conference history potential. I'm not saying they're going to do it. They're not, I'm not predicting that, but I think they could. Um, the team with Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma as their leaders, believe in their depth, believe in their fit, what have you. But like Kyle Kuzma to me has barely been a winning player as a fifth, sixth man on a team, on a great team. And the only way he's a winning player is if his team's absolutely loaded. Other than that, he puts up very empty stats, in my opinion. Uh, I just think he's a guy that's out collecting a check and trying to put up the best stats possible. And Jordan Poole, I believe, is going to be the best player on this team. 
Um, I don't want my boy Mike Muscala to drown on this team. I think he's going to bring a veteran leadership, what have you. I like Bilal. Um, I like him coming out. I thought that was a decent pick. I just think the friction between Jordan Poole and Denny Avija already is real um, in the regulars, I mean, preseason. So I think I saw that clip. There's going to be a ton of that. The pool will go from 41 one night to seven the next, like he did in the preseason. And I just don't think, I don't believe in their coach one. I don't believe in anybody on this team besides call me crazy right now. Muscal is the only winner on this team. Uh, but, um, and that's, that's hard to even say really, but um, Jordan pool. Yes, Jordan pool. Yes. Of course he's a winner, but he's a winner as a six man. Fifth man, Ring fourth on the man, finger, wherever you man. have him. But he's number one. He's the number one option on this team. And so you think about, um, I'm not in the category of him taking that James Harden leap where people are throwing out a take like that. I think he's not the playmaker James Harden ever was. Maybe he can turn into that eventually, but it's not going to be year one. Yeah, I don't see a Harden leap for him either. I do think he can play. I do think he can initiate offense. I think Kuzma can play. Kuzma, Kuzma can absolutely play, man. Oh, I'm that, not saying they're a terrible player. That deal he signed this offseason, I think, is demonstrative of how guys get valued when they're, you know, a better option on their team than they should be, right? But that doesn't make him a negative. I think this Washington team is going to be scrappy. Um, listen, I know they don't have Hachimura anymore. I know they're banking on some offensive growth from Avdia. I know they'll be giving reps to Koulibaly. Um and yeah, man, that's why I have them pretty low. But <laughs> yeah, your next team, but uh my next team, are we ready to pivot? Um, sure. So my next team is the Detroit Pistons. All right. Well, I'm locked in there with you. Well, so I don't have Washington at 14 or 15. The reason I've got Detroit at 14 is not because I don't think Cade Cunningham is going to have a nice season for himself. It's not because I don't think that Jaden Ivey will flash some utility as a cutter and an off-ball asset. It's not because I don't think that Osar Thompson is going to be freaking awesome. I, he is. That's what he's going to be. Um, Jalen Duran is freakishly talented for a player that plays the position and has the size that he does. I could keep going on about this Pistons team and the fact that they have some players that I like. The problem is the full list and how they fit with each other. Basketball, you know, a lot of people might see a basketball team as a, an assortment of snacks, right? You got the Mike and Ikes and you got the, the, the pizza bites and the little bites on the side and you want some carbs, you want some sugary, like you want a little bit of everything, right? Here's my problem, Zach. You go take a bite of a chocolate chip muffin and then have a Mike and Ike after and then have an orange, you know, sour, like orange sour candy. That shit's terrible. You know, that does not taste good. A basketball team has to be more like, what's like the most ludicrous analogy I could drop on you right now? A basketball team has to be more like a charcuterie board, Zach. Mm. It's got to be a, a, a plethora of options. You want to have as much scheme versatility as possible, and you want it all to fit together. If I take a grape with a cheese, it works, right? Because quickly can play with Brunson. But if I want to have the different cheese in Grimes, and I want to pair it with crackers instead, well, we have Julius Randle, and we have, you know, like 
the, the way I think about it is, is everything's got to go with everything. And I'm not saying, you know, you're going to go to a charcuterie board and take two different cheeses and smush them together. And that's going to be your fine dining, right? That's why you don't play two centers on the court at once. or you don't play two point guards uh, that are both tiny, right? But things mostly have to go together. And with the Detroit Pistons, I, I, I see it more as a cacophony than a symphony. I, I think these pieces are conflicting and I don't think they lift each other up at their core. So my problem with Detroit is with a new head coach, with a lot of money, with expectations to get some wins on the board, I think they fall short of being a team that dominates the margins. I think they fall short of being a team that has versatile schemes to throw at teams. I, I think they're, they end up being, you know, not too much of a league pass draw, even though Ivy and, and Osar are, are super exciting young players. So I've got Detroit at 14. Man, I'm glad you went first because I couldn't agree more. It's all about the fit for me. Um, and I do agree you can have a non-fitting team if you're like the greatest team of all time. And you just got the great, like the Phoenix Suns, for instance, if they stayed healthy this year, um, like I don't think those guys are perfect fits. They're pretty good fits, um, but the talent exceeds the fit. Now, that's the only way I'll say that. Uh, but yeah, it is not pretty, especially with the Cade, Ivy, Osser um, trio. And I think that's their, their future. That's their core. That's their future. And their job isn't to win games this year. It's to figure out who fits and who's got the most talent and upside and how much upside there is. So um, that's when it, when your job isn't to win games and you don't have to win games, like people know that going into the year, like teams realize their expectations and coaches coach according to that as well. Uh, Monty Williams signed a long-term deal. So I don't think the pressure is going to be necessarily on year one, but um, yeah, I don't think Boyan will be around very often, and he's going to be a winning player as well. As soon as they start going downhill, he's out of there, I think. Um, they'll get a little value for him and continue on. But um, main main reason, too, uh, is the fact that um, Kate Cunningham was injured, but they didn't have a lot of guys missing games compared to, like, the Charlotte Hornets. That's why I think the Hornets, just due to games played last year from their more talented players is going to give them a boost. Um, number 13, that's where I do have the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. Uh, I do, I do think just talent wise, I think they upgraded. I mean, I think Mark Williams is only going to get better. LaMelo should get a little better. Um, I don't like, I'm not a person that's really high on LaMelo. I think he's a really good player. I do think he's going to get better, but uh, to what extent? I'm not sure. Uh, Brand Miller, I think, is going to be very good. I'm really high on him. Uh, but Terry Rozier, just a solid player. Gordon Hayward. I mean, they're loaded with a lot of good offensive and defensive players. It's just um, how good are they? How how talented is Lamelo and Brand Miller and Mark Williams? Is their upside? And I'm not like extremely high on their upside, but I think they got pieces there to move, move the ball forward. So I think 13 is a pretty solid fit for him. I like that, man. I like it. I, I do have to say with Charlotte, when you're banking so much on internal development and it's a team with a lot of guys who either just have not developed because the team doesn't push them to go get better on their own, you know, like, listen, 85 to 80% of development is done at home and is not done in a team owned building. Right. I, I'm of firmly that opinion. However, yeah, like in the lab with Mr. Beast, their owner, right? <laughs> on a team 
with situations like Kai Jones and James Booknight, where, you know, you, you hear things about Booknight uh, from NBA circles that he he's not a reliable bet to, to improve year to year because of his offseason regiments or the lack of them. Akai Jones, who was just waived for his saga of um, unfortunate behavior, which I, I do hope he's all right. Genuinely. God forbid, hang on to Miles Bridges, right? Yeah, that is going on. And he was back getting a mugshot just last week. So, you know, how much of him do they get? Um, my question, though, is is what are the Charlotte Hornets doing to push their young players to be better? Are they trying to be a cool organization that just lets the guys come in and work hard with coach? Or are they not sending assistant coaches to, to live with players over the summer, to stay with them, to work with them? Uh, that's something the Knicks did. We're very comfortable doing with Mitchell Robinson when they figured he needed a little extra development to stay up to speed with the winning desires of the team. And guess what? He's doing a great job of being a star in his role for them because they put resources into it. I understand 80% of a player's development is done at home, but they need to be motivated by their team to go get better, right? You drafted the guy. It's your responsibility to make sure he's doing what he needs to be doing, you know? Um, we talked about this on the pod, you know, Jalen Suggs was, was bragging this off season that he made like 400 shots a day or that he was taking four to 500 shots a day. And he was bragging about that. Gil arenas used to make a thousand a day, a thousand makes not 400 takes, you know? So work ethic to me is really dependent on not only what you're trying to get done yourself, but your team. And I've seen guys like, you know, too many guys come out of Charlotte and be purposed intelligently on another team and take a year, take a year or two and, and turn into someone that can play in a row. I'm not talking about start, but just hang in a rotation. Um, that's why I have Charlotte last who I have 13th is Washington. And, and the reason for that is because I do buy the feistiness of this team. I buy the chip on the shoulder. Beal's gone. These young guys on this team have been waiting to play their way for a long time. Um, and you know, guys like Kispert and Avdia are going to get chances to be productive NBA wings. That is, you know, something I think one of them can live up to. I think Avdia can be a decent stand in the corner option. I think Kispert can be a really good one. Um, Denny gives you defense as well. So for this Wizards team, you know, even if Johnny Davis is a non-factor, doesn't play much all year, even if Bilal Koulibaly oh, is, is a, is a negative in his touches, um, but you're, he's getting good development. I still think somehow that, but you know, between a Gafford, like, what this team has, I think is enough to stay scrappy with the chip on the shoulder in place of, you know, or rather, you know, because of Beal's departure. Um, I just see them being fun. I see them going out and fighting for wins. I see them winning one or two more games than Detroit, right? Like I don't have them staunchly ahead of the Pistons. They're just, I had to have some fun there at the end. So I threw Washington a bone. I feel like I will the, say the, where oh after boy. this is where it gets serious though. I feel like we're done with the gutter of the Eastern Conference, which is impressive considering that for a lot of my childhood it was a conference where you had teams making the playoffs that were under 500. Yeah, you kind of talked me into it. I, I really debated making those last three teams here a tier five in their own. Um, I think I think you're right. That is the gutter here. Uh, but the two guys like I want to mention that if this team gets any higher than 15 for me um, or even 13 is because of Tyus Jones and Corey Kisper. I think those are two guys that are going to be connecting pieces and going to lead to a lot of wins this year. Um, I because even, you know what you're getting in Jordan Poole and Kuzma. I really yeah. do. do. Can they tie two other winning players at least with them? 
Uh, Johnny Davis is going to get close to 20 minutes a game. I'll be shocked if he doesn't. Will it be 40 games or will it be um, 70 games? I don't know. But the amount of games he plays, it's going to be close to 20 minutes a game. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I I think Washington will be bad. I just also think they'll be fun and feisty. So, you know, I don't think I talk about the I talk about the three F's, right? Fun, feisty, and fine are the keys to being like a, a productively mediocre team. Um, they're not going to be fine. So they will not be mediocre. They will be bad, but they can be productively bad. That's okay. Number 12. Fun, feisty, and fine. I'm going to hang on to that one. Fun, feisty, and just fine. Uh, Texting the wife, you know. <laughs> number 12 for me. Let's talk about the Orlando Magic. Wow, bro. All right, we're getting into it. I am not super high on this team just yet. And I'm going to tell you this. Next summer, next fall, we're going to be doing the 2025 preview Eastern Conference standings prediction pod. And I'm going to have them firmly in seventh or eighth. Firmly in a, in, in a top play-in spot. Okay? Here's my thing for this season. I don't know where the guard play is going to come from. Markel Fultz is really good. Is he, should he be playing more than 32 minutes a game on a team that you think is going to be decent? Probably not. Who do they have? Anthony Black, to me, was someone I had, you know, roughly in my top 10. I I was a a decent fan of him, not as much as Sam Vecini or, or the Orlando Magic or some other, you know, some other people out there, but I did like Anthony Black. I really didn't like the Jet Howard pick. Um, and I do think that both Ant Black and Jed Howard will be rough to start off in their rookie campaigns. Black will have a lot of flashes. I don't think he'll be objectively, you know, like a guy that could be the sixth man or the starter for a good team. He'll be the sixth man or even the starter for the Orlando Magic, and he'll be a, he'll do a good job of that considering his it's his rookie season. I'm just being careful about expecting too much from this group too early. I think Paolo and Franz today are really good. That's why I've got this team above Washington and I've got them above pool and Kuzma and I've got them above Cade and Ivy and I've got them above. Oh, that's so Ball. kind of you. That's right? so kind. Of you. Some guys that are regarded pretty highly. I have this team finishing above them. The thing is that I can't put this team above teams like Brooklyn or Chicago or Indiana. And the reason for that is just because I don't know that the feistiness will equal good. I think the magic might be more feisty than some of those teams. I don't think that necessarily equals better. I do think Chicago's at a point where that talent, however mediocre it is, has had a little bit to gel. So without getting too ahead of myself, I just want to say the Orlando magic are going to be a fun team that is setting themselves up for several years of sustained success in the Eastern conference. My concern with them this season remains that we're jumping the gun and that we're doing what a lot of NBA fans love to do, which is conflate hype and potential with current skill and ability. And I'm not there yet with some of these guys in Orlando. Paolo is going to be a Hall of Famer. You lock it in today, right? Franz Franz is going to be really good. Suggs is going to be really good. We talked about this with Albert. Um, But I just, I don't see it this season in regards to them being like a 40 win team. Right. So I've got them, I've got them at 12 and I don't think that's offensive. I I want it. I want that to be 12 the way that I thought the OKC thunder would be like 11th last season. We know they're set up going forward. They've got their a tier guy in, in a Shea or in a Paolo. 
Love it. So one, I don't think that's a hot take that you have them at 12, but two, I definitely don't have them here. Um, I just want to say they're not going to hold down your three Fs. They're going to be feisty, but the one they're missing, what is fine. They're not going to be fine. No, nah. they don't have their point guard. That's <laughs> fine. Um, Markel's decent too. I like right. him and he does a great right. job at pressuring the rim. The problem is and black can't shoot. So you got to play Markel and someone else or Ant Black and someone else. And Suggs doesn't necessarily present, you know, I don't know. I'm going to touch on them because your points are fresh here. But um, I almost agree with everything you said, um, which is crazy. And I'm going to tell you why I do have them above this is because they won 34 games last year. Okay. And Jamal Mosley was a rookie head coach. And I do believe in Jamal Mosley. And I think he's going to move the ball only forward. Um, they were actually above average defense. They're right at average 15th. That's amazing for how many young players they have. And that's only going to get better, um, as their talent gets better. And I do think they added defensive players. And I think overall defensively, there should be a top 10 team, especially with Jamal Mosley. Like they, like everything just, if they just play a normal amount of games. I can't expect that much from the rookies this early. I think when you're plugging, but they in were last rookies, year. So how, increasing from 15 to um, even you're put, 12, you're, to, you're inserting two rookies into the lineup. Those ne- neither of the two, like Chumo Kiki is good, bro. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Right. But I think, I don't think uh, many guys from last year are going to be decreasing minutes. I just think a couple of the guys um, that are off the team will be, those minutes will be replaced by some of these rookies. And here's why I think, they're going to be okay without a true point guard or figuring out this point guard and being able to win a bunch of games is because Franz and Paulo can play the point guard position and they can be such great passers and playmakers and connectors. And Wendell Carter Jr. as well, you put three guys in there who are great passers and playmakers. That's why you don't need to focus on a point guard and shooting guard that much. It's just hopefully those guys can fit and get the job done. And that's what we're a little concerned about, but Markel, I believe is going to be very sufficient. I'm not saying they're going to get to 45 wins, but I do think they can get really close to that 40, 42 ish mark. Um, where that has them on my rankings time will tell. Uh, but the team I have here was at number 12. I have the Brooklyn nets. Um, okay. That. We touched on them. We did a full episode on the Brooklyn Nets. Go check out the um, Nets season preview that Zach and I did. Mainly because they didn't win a ton. Like they didn't. They had a losing record with the guys that are on this team going forward this year. Um, insert Ben Simmons. That's automatically more losses for sure. Um, and I don't think he's going to come out of the woodwork like a lot of people do and just become a winning player instantly in one year it's going to take time if he is and i only give it like a 20 percent chance because i'm pretty fully out on ben simmons uh but mikhail there's a there's a world where he could get these guys up to a, a six or seven seed i think he can be that good it's just is he gonna be i don't i'm not thinking it's gonna happen this year um him and cam johnson could be a duo to reckon with for a long time and if they unleash my boy cam thomas I think there's potential there to get to like a six or seven seed. But again, they're my 12 seed. I'm not predicting anything like that this year. Absolutely, man. So I'll just pivot here. I've got Brooklyn at 11 right ahead of Orlando. Again, 
I think Orlando wins a couple more games than Washington. I don't think Brooklyn wins a couple more games than Orlando. I think these two are going to be real close here. And the next team I have, I think, is going to be real close with them as well. 30, Bridges. 35, 37 wins for all these squads, you know, like in that, 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 like that, just a rough dart throw right now. But the thing for me with Brooklyn is I think they'll be feisty. I don't think they'll be fun. I do think they'll be fine. So they'll have two of my three F's. I almost agree with that. Um, I don't think, I don't think they'll be fun, man. Yeah. You know, people, everyone's saying, oh, the Houston Rockets are going to be so fun. You want to watch 30 Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks FGA every game? Like, get the hell out of this. That's not fun to me. Um, I'll be watching Tari Eason set screens and defend on the, off the ball. I'll be watching Jalen Green and, and Amen Thompson be the most athletic backcourt duo possibly of, of a lot of kids' childhoods for the over the next couple of years. You know, so I, I'm really interested in that team for a couple of different reasons. It's not because I think they're going to be fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know that Brooklyn will be fun. Um, I'm into the Nets position in the league right now in regards to recouping their picks getting out of the kd Kyrie experiment and just going back to being a normal goddamn team um <laughs> however that doesn't mean they're going to be good so they do need a weird transition here we'll see what happens with cam thomas we'll see how the storylines go i just i do think jacques vaughn you kind of talked to me a little bit in that season preview into this team eking out some wins that they shouldn't against teams like you know, all these guys below them in the standings. So, um, yeah, I, I can see it. I'm just not high on them. I do have them as the 11th seed. I have Brooklyn entirely out of the play in. I, I, I do think they're a little feisty, though. I do think Jacques Vaughn is going to have these guys feisty. And let me uh, let me revise to 33 35 wins for Brooklyn. 32. We, we need a counter. Him. Somebody's got to be the counter for how many times we say feisty on the show. Chris, you started that. <laughs> uh, we're rolling already on that. Uh, late late night feistiness here, uh, but Mikel Bridges, oh. I think uh, he's got a chance to be like in the top ten MVP race, even if they finish like in the top eleven. Call me crazy, but he's gonna put up those type of stats. I truly believe it. It's like Bradley Beal ish, you know, for those bad Washington Wizards teams he's been rolling out the last few years. I think that's how people are gonna look at him, except this guy with exceptional defense as well. Um, that's just a prediction on my behalf, but, um, I think people are going to really open their eyes this year to Mikhail Bridges and just what he can do on a nightly basis. So that's what I'm super excited for. Uh, my number 11 team here, it's hard for me because I really do like the pieces and how they fit here. Um, it's just, I don't believe in the talent. I don't believe in the upside at all. And, oh, I know I already got it. Uh, who is it? Indiana. You nailed it. Boom. 35 wins last year. I, I know my co-host, be... baby. Come on. Yeah, you're clicking already. Uh, barely 10 episodes in. Um, 37-ish wins again this year. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, only way they get any higher is if he becomes a top 20 player. Um, that's, it could happen. It could happen, but... Buddy Heel will be on his way out. Uh, Miles Turner misses a lot of games. We'll see how many he plays this year. And Jairus Walker is such a huge question mark to me, and rookies don't win a ton. Um, if Benedict Matherin was for sure like a huge belief internally, I think he was at the beginning of last year, and then he faded. I think they've regained some over the offseason. They've talked about him a lot. Um, obviously, they have to. He's a really high draft pick, but – I just hope they show that belief early on on the court. Don't be pulling him in critical situations 
um, and stuff that's going to make and break him. He needs all the trials and turbulations that are going to come his way because I think he can be so incredibly special. I love Benedict Matherin. I'm so high on him yet, but I don't love the fact that I believe, I don't believe Indiana loves him as much as I do. I want to, I'm going to be an ass about the fact that you misspoke. I, I do want to petition to make turbulations a word. Um, <laughs> tribulations, hey, no lot. Tur- we've done turbulent tribulations. Make it one word, Zach. You there innovate, we go. You innovate and amaze me every day. Listen, man, I really do feel you on Indiana. I get exactly what you're saying, honestly. However, you ever feel like something's so wrong that it might just go right? You know, like you're like, ah, oh, this is that team is totally gonna suck. I just can't see it. That's kind of where I'm at with Indiana. I feel like they have so much hype. 95% of bets are on them to win over 41 and a half games. Mm-hmm. People love this team. People love it. So for me personally, yeah, I'm not super high on them. I don't have them hitting over on that win total, but I do have them pretty close on my list. Um, you know, 10 for me is Chicago. And the reason I'm going with Chicago here is because it's so hard to build a good basketball team with $20 million of, of practically dead cap. Um, mm-hmm. I love Lonzo ball. The way he plays basketball excites me. I really do like Lonzo ball. And I think that um, the way that he defends is something that like should make you love basketball more thoughts, you know, like a, you, you, like a rough agree or disagree. No, I agree. Yeah. So he's really fun. Right. And six, five, six, six guard but guards like a wing, but dribbles like a guard. Like that guy, that guy's fun. That's a draft Twitter dream nowadays. I got a jumper to fix and everything. Draft Twitter would be fawning over him if he were coming out of the draft this year. The problem for me is that with, with that much dead cap to account for, it's hard for me to say Levine, DeRozan, Vooch, that that trio is going to have its coming out party and, and finally be impactful in the playoffs, finally make a real push. So I've got them at 10th in my Eastern conference standings pretty much exclusively because I do think they have some talent. I don't think it fits great. And I don't think they have a lot of talent. So I do think they'll be fine. And I do think they'll be feisty, but how fun will it be to watch them stink again? I I just be mediocre again, stink in regards to their expectations, not the team actually being bad. Caruso is really good. What if a team like, hmm, it wouldn't be Denver or Dallas, but I'm just trying to think of a contender that would make sense. Obviously not every Boston. team can use them. He's a guy that fits literally on every Yeah, team. but not Boston. I wanted Brooklyn to really go after him. I thought that would have been a great pickup for them at the last deadline. Uh, but it makes sense with everything. He's a good do. backup for Drew Holiday. What if what if a team like Cleveland decides, hey, God, deep, do, do, Cleveland's do, we need, deep. do we need some some help at the backup guard spots? And and you know, this this Max Struess thing isn't going how we thought it would defensively. We need a little more cover up. They go get a Caruso. Chicago's really left to their own devices. Like that to me reeks of being like a 30 win team. If they lose Caruso, I think he swings so much for them. I'm really big on guys approach into a night by night gamely basis. Like, Hey, I'm coming in tonight to do what all the Knicks players, they have their own desires, but Thibodeau has done a good job of getting that buy-in. Do I buy the Chicago bulls to be one of those teams where all the guys are bought in on winning games? I'm not sure. Right. So I've got them at 10 because I do think the talent gets them up there. I'm not super confident um, that they'll be good because they haven't been good with this core and they're running it back. 
again, <laughs> you know, so running it back. Yeah. We'll see how that goes for them. Yeah. So this is my, probably my biggest shocker throughout everything. Um, they didn't fall a lot. Okay. They weren't great in the regular season last year. They could come in at this seed and run through again and surprise me, but the Miami heat are my 10 seed. Um, and Holy. a big part of that is because they lost Gabe Vincent, they lost Max Struess, and I thought those guys were incredibly important for them, and I think Jimmy Butler is going to be really bitter, and I just don't see, like, how many times can he win 44 games and have to play at an elite level and not play 82 games? Like, there's so many variables here that, that all revolve around Jimmy Butler and you're banking on rookies to come in and make an impact. I do like the rookies. Um, and I do one guy I really like in the preseason that I hope he gets a lot of playing time is RJ Hampton. I think he could come in and really maybe end up starting by the end of the year. If he gets a real opportunity, I'm not banking on him even getting an opportunity to be honest, but um, I was really high on RJ pre-draft and he did get a lot of tick in the preseason here. Uh, but Miami, I mean, Kyle Lahr is just, washed and getting worse by the minute um tyler hero played most of last regular season okay and they only won 44 games um jimmy butler is just always good for missing 15 games that's who jimmy butler is so there is no really high upside on this team they haven't brought anybody in to really increase that kevin loves getting another year older duncan robinson only played 42 games last year uh bam out of bio you think he's got another leap i think bam is pretty much who he is i think he can get a little better it wouldn't shock me uh but i don't think he's gonna get much better that's how i'm playing this card and i like where i got him here i like where you got him too man i personally didn't go that bold um but i came close and this is with me believing in spo being a top three coach in the league maybe the best coach i think he should replace her immediately for head of USA basketball USA yeah listen I hear you man I I can't say, right I can't <laughs> I, I have um a butler of that same jersey um I, I really really like the Miami Heat's shtick um of coasting through, coasting through the regular season and then heat culturing their way to the finals it's hilarious that it works every time um, really the rest of the league has got to catch up, right? Like it's working. You can't knock it. Here's the thing. How tired would you be <laughs> of, of, of that song and dance? You know, I think oh, Jimmy Jimmy's Butler, gotta be pissed. Jimmy's got to be pissed. He's got to be coming out with the vengeance. I think we get another season from him where he kind of coasts through that regular season so that he's good to go for the playoffs. And it becomes that chicken and egg of, do you want the on-court reps with your teammates? Or do you want to be a hundred percent ready to go for the playoffs? For me, I've got Miami a couple ticks up, but I'm certainly not super high on them. Did not give them a guaranteed playoff spot. My number nine squad is Indiana. So I've got Indiana at nine personally to to kind of you know keep this going. Um, I do think Jarris Walker can be good in year one at certain things. It depends on how much offensive responsibility he gets. You know, he has the touch, but he won't be super efficient. He is a little contact averse despite his size and stature. Um 
But between Halliburton and the other guys on the roster and the fact that Carlisle is the coach and Carlisle knows how to get the most out of the Halliburton archetype, you see when Halliburton's out, Nemhard has freaking 30 points and 10 assists because that's just what Carlisle does is he gets the most out of those lead guards. Um, yeah, I, I see them being fun, feisty, and fine. I think that Indiana is a team that when it gets to the, the play-in will probably not even get a playoff spot. If they do get a playoff spot, expect them to be dealt with very swiftly in the first round, okay? On the flip side of that same coin, I do think they'll be a really fun regular season team that is very feisty and is a fine squad, is the nine seed in the East. 39 wins, right? 39 wins, is that fair? I think that um, they'll be decent. I think they've got a little team. I think Obi Toppin has a good season for them. I think he has a good season playing alongside Halliburton. Matherin is good. Everything he did last season was a big product of just his athleticism. Um, and yes, he has a lot to add in terms of the dimensions of the game that aren't just scoring, but he's already kind of got scoring down from an, from an easy bucket standpoint. And that's a lot more than a lot of rookies can say after their first season. So I, I like Indiana. I'm not high on Indiana. I'm not in on Indiana. I think they meet the three F's though. They will be productively mediocre this season. And that, you know, that that's how to not get stuck in purgatory. Um, but yeah, I've got them at the nine seat. Who on Indiana makes it more fun than Brooklyn to you? Jarris, Obi, even though I'm That's not a even, said. Even, said. even though I'm, I'm not a Halliburton guy, um, I do wow, like we got I, that. I do like his funkiness. So I think yeah. he's fun. Nah, he's alright. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I will say Indiana, like their ceiling to me. They could get as high as six or seven. Um, same with the Miami Heat. Like, what, that's not saying much for Miami, but like, I think Miami's ceiling is six or seven. Uh, my number nine, this is banking on they don't blow it all up um, halfway through the year, which they could very much finish in the bottom three. And that's I, the Chicago Bulls at oh, number nine. I thought um, you were going to go Toronto. <laughs> that, uh, there's another good blow it up option. That's very possible. But um, I believe in Toronto's upside a little more. Um, sure. I sure. think Chicago could finish even higher. I think Chicago's ceiling here is honestly like a four or five seed. Um, as everybody clicks um, another year playing together, I think that chemistry matters. Okay. And these guys, I, I do think they like each other. Zach Levine's not out demanding a trade by any means. I think he likes playing with DeMar DeRozan, um, but I don't think, they love it. I mean, nobody loves winning uh, below 500. I mean, they're 40 and 42 and both these guys, they're, they're, they're playing hard, but not playing hard enough both ways. Um, what have you. Uh, but I do think like guys like IO, uh, I think Kobe white, I think those guys can still keep improving. I think they have enough guys to get them safely to this nine seed Caruso, playing a lot more games, Patrick Williams. There's a lot of untapped here that I think that would help propel these guys. And I think they don't fit terribly. They got a lot of intelligent players. It's defense that would hold them from getting any higher here. Um, that's my take on it. Um, I'm not a huge Billy Donovan guy, but no, me um, I, de I definitely think we're going to get another great DeMar Zach Levine year out of those two. And hopefully defense improves quite a bit um being caruso healthy all year yeah uh, you know chicago is not bad i just don't think they're good 
And the, 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 when that team was assembled, you know, the storyline was they're going to be the most fun team to watch in the NBA, whether they're <laughs> whether they're good or not. And people you thought they'd be that. people thought yeah. they'd be really good because oh, they're not fun, man. They stink. So you know, when you when people disappointment only appears where expectations were and people made up a lot of expectations um, for this team. Holy and crap. Then, I just found out they were ranked number six defense last year. <laughs> all year. That's mind blowing. That's the one thing that slipped through my cracks all year. I will say. There's really not much with the NBA that surprised me a ton. That might be the most shocking. And for them to finish 40 and 42 while being, well, their offense was trash. Yeah. Because <laughs> no, there's so awful. much ISO ball. Terrible. So, yeah, you know, listen, there I, they're not a team that excites me. They're not a team that I think is headed in the right direction. However, that doesn't mean that they have to be bad. So I, I think Chicago's all right. That's why they're 10. I got Indy at nine. I want to keep things moving here, man. I want to get into our top eights. At number eight, I have the Toronto Raptors. And I have the Toronto Raptors here kind of as a hedge, right? If they move Siakam or Ananobi during the season, I still think they could finish around 10th. So, you know, um, the thing for me with Toronto is you get Dennis Schroeder. You don't have a lot of shooting. You have Gary Trent Jr. and Grady Dick for shooting. They're both coming off the bench. (laughs) <laughs> right none of this stuff adds up to me but siakam is a really good player and is a really good player schroeder to me is is tough you, you take a look at toronto you, you you think feisty you think consistently good you think good good at drafting winning organization and that's why i do think they float up here to the eight spot despite maybe you know storyline wise being a team that could be totally fine if i put them in 11th if I put Toronto 13th, because I said my big prediction is they stink to start the year and they trade off Ananobi and, and they turn into a team that rests Siakam every night, then, okay, that's what we're doing, I guess. But I, I'm not going to predict that. I'm going to predict that they continue to ride this mediocrity missile into the sunset that they've been on for the last couple of years, pretending like they're positioning for a big star move and just holding on, clutching their pearls and not improving in the meanwhile, right? If You, you don't have to make the move for the big star at all. If you keep getting better, if you keep improving, if you keep setting new benchmarks for yourself, feels like the Raptors have been stuck on the same part of the escalator for a couple of years. And they're like, hey, guys, no, we're on our way up. We're going up. You just don't get it. You don't see it. You don't understand why we traded Jakob Pertl and then traded for him back and then extended him. and But then now want to sell off Siakam despite buying a center at the trade deadline. No, you just don't get it. Masai knows. No, we're on our way up. And like, you're watching them walk down the escalator that's going up and they're just staying in the same place. No, I got no, we're headed the right way. Trust me. Trust me. Um, Love it. Sometimes you just got to let people do that and let it, let them go until they, they get tired and realize they got to either go up or go down. Uh, they tried to go up, right? We talked to Michael Grange um, about the Toronto Raptors and, and we'll get that episode out. He gave us some scoops about their, their Lillard involvement um, and their point guard situation in general. But I'm just not big on this team as being one of the top powers in the Eastern Conference. I just think Siakam's really good. Ananobi's really good. Schroeder's pretty good. They have enough talent to coast up above teams that I'm not in on organizationally, fit-wise, you name it. So, yeah, I don't love the fit in Toronto. I do like it more than some of these other teams, and they have the talent where I've got to give them a nod. Who you got at eight? Absolutely love that. Um, That's completely just probably a perfect spot for the Raptors, but um, I got them a tad higher. So, number eight. This is my big leap. So my big drop um, was the Miami Heat. 
uh, my big leap was the Orlando Magic at number eight. I think Paulo takes his massive leap, becomes an all-star this year. Um, I think Wendell keeps getting better. I think Franz even gets a little better. Um, and I'm not even the biggest Franz guy at all. I think he's very solid and going to be a longtime starter. Um, whoever, uh, I think it was Kevin Clark and Zach Lowe, both guaranteeing three-time All-Star appearances for Franz Wagner. I'm not there. I'll, I'll guarantee maybe one. Um, and that's that's a stretch for me. Uh, but gun to my head, I would say he makes one. Um, but he only makes it because Paulo is going to be so good. And um they're going to win a lot, a lot of games. And I think they got good things going there. Um, and his talent's going to be close enough. But uh, we touched on Orlando earlier. Um, I don't have a whole lot more to say. I will say my number seven is the Toronto Raptors. And uh, we touched on them in a large pod with Michael. Uh, a lot of scoops there. Great on the Dame trade. Um, good draft stuff. Preseason, you name it. And really fun episode. We went deep and they'll be coming out this week. Um, only thing I'd say is it all depends on Scotty Barnes. I don't think this team can get any higher than five, uh, but I think they could even drop below seven here. I think they could go, I don't know, down to like 11 and it wouldn't shock me. We could see uh, Pascal, OG, and Gary Trent all go out the door. I think Gary Trent could really rev um, the internal engine up uh, the wrong way. Uh, by not liking coming off the bench. I think um, he's that type of dude, and I, I think he's really important there. I think they need his shooting. Um, they have only a couple stroke artists there, and he's one of them. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Scotty's the only guy I think that can take a massive leap. Pascal, I mean, I think if he puts up numbers like last year and they're the six seed, he's a for sure all-star, maybe all-NBA again. Who do you got at seven? For seven, man, this is where I've got the Miami Heat. So I do agree with you that, you know, just because this is a team that just went to the NBA Finals, this is not a team that I've got in the top four of its conference um, or the top five or the top six. But <laughs> the thing for me with Miami is that this is intentional. I know it's intentional. And so my breakdown is going to be really quick. Come playoff time, I'm going to have Miami as more dangerous than at minimum, at minimum two of the teams out of the six that I have above Miami. So if this yeah. is a real power ranking, I'd have Miami top five in the East. Don't fret. Heat fans, don't yell at me. I just know that y'all like to treat the regular season like a California wave and just surf right through it and just not care. So I got to, I got to, I got to acknowledge that too, man. And Miami's not a team that concerns itself very much with winning in the regular season. Just got to get in the playoffs. They don't care about home court and none of that. That's okay, right? Do you? It's working almost a lot. Um, Just don't expect me to respect you in the regular season on the back end. Don't expect me to, to put you up there in the top three, four, five when you haven't shown consistently that that's a spot you should be in. Maybe they do care this year. Maybe they come out. Maybe Jimmy's emo look makes him care more than than last year's, right? I don't know. Just to me, this is not a team that you want to be losing money on betting on their regular season success. So I've got Miami at seven, despite thinking that they're a top five team in the East. I think it's that simple. Beautiful. So number six for me, um, these guys, this is the James Harden drop. They go from three to six solely on losing James Harden um, and the talent gap there. They could finish probably as high as 
um, three or four. Um, I'd say that's their ceiling here. Um, the only way they finish higher than that is if MB plays 75 plus games and who, I don't know anybody out there who's going to, uh, bank on that ever. Um, that'd be a really terrible bet. Uh, but I actually like what they did this off season. Um, shoring up their depth, Patrick Beverly, um, Kelly Obre. I mean, I, I liked it if James Harden was going to stick around. I mean, do I like it to get past the first round this year? Not necessarily. I'm pretty low on the Sixers overall. Um, and I just think this team now is all about Tyrese Maxey. I mean, we know what Joel Embiid can do um, in the regular season. It's what can he do in the postseason? I would honestly find a way. I mean, if you're winning a bunch of games, I would try to get to the eighth seed and make sure he's fully healthy before I try to get to the sixth seed or the fourth seed and uh, beat his entire body all the way getting there. That's for sure. I think Tobias is going to have a huge year. Uh, being it's a contract year for him. I think Tyrese Maxey could end up being an all-star this year. That's um, I'd give it honestly about a 30% chance happening. I think he's for sure going to make an all-star appearance in his career. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. And I'm a huge D'Anthony Melton guy. People forget he's only played five years in this league. Um, he's had some big performances in the preseason and I expect him to keep rolling coming up. Uh, Kelly Obrey is also on a small contract, so he wants to prove himself. They got depth. Um, I don't buy their upside, but I believe they're going to be in a lot of games and they can beat a lot of good teams. Let me start right here, man. 30% implies about plus 235 on the betting lines. You're telling me right now you would take Tyrese Maxey make, to make the all-star game this season at plus 235? At plus, I mean, I probably wouldn't put a lot on that, but at plus three hundred, I would. Okay, uh, well, that's a little yeah. different than. 30. I think okay, he could okay. average. I think he could average twenty five ish this year. Um, okay, I will say that if you want to say plus three hundred, well, that implies about a twenty five percent chance, which you know, okay, a little more reasonable. Um, there I would go. put me I, to twenty five. I would say I would need a, a plus four hundred at a twenty percent chance to bet on that to, to even think about it. But um, that's banking on Embiid's health mainly. That's yeah. No matter I, how I good Tyrese Maxey is, like look at Tyrese Halliburton. I didn't think he should have made the All Star game last year because he was missing a bunch of games. But yeah, and his team wasn't successful. But he had a lot right. of assists per game, so he needed the nod. Apparently, I, I didn't think he should have been an All Star either. But that's 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 besides the point. I don't want to be right. labeled as a hater. Um, right. Listen, man, Philadelphia is a team that I have at six as well. So I Ooh. will get right into this discussion with you. I like Tobias Harris. I think he's a good player. I like Tyrese Maxey. I think he's a pretty good player. Pretty supposed it's pretty good supposed to mean a little better than just good. Um they had impressive depth to me last season. I liked the the adding McDaniels midseason. I, I liked that move. Melton, like this this stuff was all working for me. Now my problem with Philly McDaniels didn't do anything though. Yeah, but I I'm talking about on paper. I'm talking about process. I'm talking I loved about, it on paper too. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, you know, I'm I'm just talking about like looking at the roster now, you know, Kelly Oubre Jr. Paul Reed or Philip Petrasev or um, Montrez Harrell as the backup five. None, none of this. You're naming guys that won't play again. I know. I'm saying. So who's so Harrell's the backup five? 
Uh, Mo Bamba, bro. And I love Mo Bamba. I think he was good. Not good. Last year. It's nope. Not good. Okay. So he's not, <laughs> he's, he's not good. Let's start there. Um, I think he's a player who could start if you're trying to be a losing team. I just, when, when I talk about, he's not a starter or he's not a backup. I mean that in regards to a team trying to go into a playoff series as the favorite. If you're trying to go into a playoff series in the first right. round and be favored to come out of it, you can have a backup five. That is maybe not an NBA player. Um, and, and maybe that's harsh, right? But with where he is today, where he is today, I don't see him being worth the backup five spot on the team that's trying to, you know, um, that's trying to win today. Uh, Danny Green. If I named his per 36 numbers, you'd say he's an all-star. Don't, don't, don't even, don't even. <laughs> no, Jaden Springer fair. is the one he's guy. The perfect example for that. Jaden Springer is the one young guy that I look at in Philly and I go, they've got something. I didn't love the Azulas Tubelas pick. Um, I didn't love the Turk Smith pick. Javante Smart is not someone who, you know, I know he's 24, but he doesn't get the people going. This is a team that to me is going to struggle night in, night out for motivation. Um, they don't have a lot of young and hungry guys. Um, Max is about as hungry as they get, though. And he's been screwed, screwed, and screwed with his situation since coming into the league with with Harden, with, with Embiid, with all this trade noise. Um, I think this is a team that struggles to keep itself motivated. I think when they're not coasting by on talent, that they're going to have trouble winning games. I don't think they're going to be receptive to Nurse's style of coaching. Ooh. Oh, there was a, there's a take. So, you know, you, you swap out Rivers for Nurse, bring in Thibodeau next. What's going to change? You know, you bring in these tough guys. They're not getting to your team. Either your team's not built to get gotten through to, like a like how Thibodeau couldn't get through to Carl Anthony Towns because Towns said Tibbs liked basketball too much, or then your team isn't worth getting through to. And because if they can't get gotten through to by if they're not coachable, wow, that was a crazy grammatical whirlwind. Um, if they can't get gotten through to, someone take my they mic get, away. Get, get. <laughs> take my mic away. Listen, man, it, it, this is a team that I think is going to be like, hey, they're playing. Uh, they're playing Orlando tonight and beads out, but Maxi and Tobias have got this right. Like surely they've got this. And then they're down like 92 to 77 with the fourth quarter winding down. And you're like, wow, the magic really just played good defense and won the game. Damn. Okay. Next night we move on. And then, you know, Philly finishes with 44 wins as, as or 43 wins is an unimpressive six seed. And we're all supposed to be like, whoopee. Yeah. I just can't. Um, I can't buy it. So I, I think this is a team that will underachieve because I think the expectations are too high. I think people are expecting too much unfairly of a team dealing with a lot of trade drama right now. It's not good for a locker room. It's not good for nightly motivation. That's a theme I'm hitting on a lot when trying to think of regular season wins. You talk about, um, you know, m me covering games. Something I ask players that are veterans all the time is what do you teach the young guys on the team about getting through the grind of a full regular season, whether it's a hundred 60 plus MLB games or 80 plus NBA games or uh, 17 NFL games. Like the regular season is a long and it's a grind. So can Philly get through that? Will they survive the Nick nurse coaching style? Will, will they stay motivated? I don't want to say so. I do think they have a lot of talent. I think they'll coast by on it for a little. That's why they're my six seed. So real quick on that um, the last year, they were known for their comebacks and I agree They're I don't think they're going to have the mentality this year for those comebacks. Uh, however, I do feel that the talent is there. The expectations are way too high. 
uh, because you got the MVP. That's just natural. And people are expecting way too much out of Tyrese Maxey and still Tobias Harris out of a uh, guy with a huge contract and they hold him to that almost. Uh, but like they see all these veterans too, like PJ Tucker, Patrick Beverly, and they expect so much out of all these guys coming together, what have you. But the Nick Nurse thing is a real thing. I'm a big, I'm probably the biggest Nick Nurse guy there is. I love him. Um, I, I you make a good point. Like team wise, is this a Nick Nurse type of team? Um, that's gonna listen. I listened to almost every presser so far in this preseason, like from the players. I just because I, I want to know the vibes of this Philly team because it's such an interesting situation and it seems like they love them and it's gone absolutely amazing, but until the last couple of days with Harden. So it's going to be interesting how that propels them rolling into the season here. Uh, but I will say Nick nurse does not like using depth and they need to learn how to use their depth. That's that was a doc problem last year and why they didn't. I mean, if they would have used Paul Reed earlier in the season, simple as that, um, they probably would have got past the Celtics, just stuff like that. Um, and um, I, Nick Nurse, that's always been an issue of him. He likes the, doing the Thibodeau way as well, um, laying on the stars and the better players, more minutes. You need to get Kelly Obrey to be good early in the regular season. You need Patrick Beverly to be full madness all on. But um, that's all I'm going to say for the Sixers. Number five, who do you get? It's tough, man, but I really did inch out the Atlanta Hawks at number five over the Philadelphia 76ers. The reason being, I was very low on the Trey, on the Dijon Trey pairing when it was put together. I actually do think that for what it's worth, the team has done a better job of building towards that pairing. Trey Young whether it's created in his own head or whatever this storyline is that because he signed with Adidas, he didn't get chosen for team USA. Walker Kessler is like not signed with Nike and got chosen and he's not some standout superstar. So pretty sure it was never that deep Trey. Um, anyway, you know, politics are holding him out of team USA or it's the fact that, you know, they, they wanted one point guard who can't defend. So they picked Brunson. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I think it's that simple. Um, Trey knows that he knows why he didn't make it. He knows, he knows this stuff. He can go out and agree that it's a conspiracy or, or a plot against him by Nike or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think he wants to get better on defense. You know how, because he's shown it in the preseason. He's shown that aggressiveness. And I tell you 51% of defense is effort and he's shown that wow. effort. So Good show for, for me, I, I, I want to say that the Atlanta Hawks are not going to be some top flight team to fear. They're not going to be a team that, you know, the top of the Western or Eastern Conference struggles to handle. I think Boston and Milwaukee will deal with them swiftly if it comes to it playoff time. However, this is going to be a team that is not just feisty and fun, but but feisty and good. And I, I do think that a full season of Snyder is going to do them really well. I do think that Trey Young taking this little this little step forward in regards to all the other aspects of his game besides scoring and playmaking. He was running like a, like a madman off the ball in preseason. He's defending. Damn. I love it. Dude. I I'm see it, man. I, that. I'm going to be looking for it. I see him making changes to his game that a lot of guys get told they need to make. And they go, what do these fans know? What do these analysts know? What do these beat writers know? 
I, I play my game. I do me. I'm real good. Trey Young said, I know I'm real good. Watch me get better. And I, I have to respect that. And so I, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks at number five here over the Philadelphia 76ers. I love that. And we matched up at five here. You were making my hairs perk up a little bit. If Trey Young, Ooh. arguably one of the worst defenders in the league, can become any sort of average defender. Yeah, I was going to say just bad. Uh, what about just, just bad? What if he's bad at defense? That's a big step Bradley, forward. Peak Bradley Beal defensive levels. Um, <laughs> he just love, he could get up to being a top 10 player that some people actually think he is. Um, that's all it would take from Trey Young. Um, just being serviceable on that end. But you look at all the teams he had in Utah. I truly call me insane, but I truly think this team on paper is better than all of them. Um, maybe not like factually yet player wise, but like upside and talent level. I think they some of these guys still need to be developed, but I, I truly believe that it's there on paper right now. Um, with that said, um, Sadiq Bay only played 25 games last year. Um, I think the chemistry and cohesion is going to pick up quite a bit. Um, AJ Griffin, um, just another year. I think he's going to become really, really important to this team. I think this team fits very well, almost perfectly um, from top to bottom. I'm all in on this team as being as high as a three seed. I think they can make a conference finals run. It's just it, the only teams that really scare me for this team is Boston and Milwaukee. That's about it. Um, but every other team, I would almost have these guys favored in the playoffs. Um, Cleveland, yes, I mean, that's 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 a tough matchup as well. I think that's that would be about as exciting as it gets. I would love to see that matchup. Uh, DeJounte Murray, I need to see him level up. I, I like last year. He was very clutch. Okay. I, I, I was, loved him in I fourth hated, quarters. I hated the evaluation of him on the Spurs. I hated the trade package they gave up for him. See, I, I didn't mind it. His calling card is his defense, and I've always found him to be an overrated defender. So where does that leave me? You know, but in my opinion, again, that embarrassment on a national stage is where you take that step. Yeah, he was definitely overrated as a defender last year. There's no denying it, but I do believe in his defense, and I do believe that's why he's the perfect fit next to Trey. Um, I think he's a very smart and feisty player. He'll be the feisty word I use in the Atlanta Hawks, but um, I think Onyeka can take another leap. I, I think the growth of this team is really going to depend on that. Quinn, though, he's the X factor of this team. I just think another year with Quinn should do these guys' levels. They could win 50 games and it wouldn't shock me at all. So number four, move to there. That's I'll be shocked if – actually, no, I wouldn't. I mean, three and four could be intertwined here. But um, number four, I got the Knicks. Um, I just think – they're just rock solid. They know how to play together. Not much is changing other than um, minutes between a couple players. And um, I think guys are just going to be more polished in their roles, more polished. And RJ Barrett's, like I said, on the Knicks show is the one guy I think that could make, like, I'm going to word this, try to be very carefully, that could make a leap significant enough to make the team much much better like yes a lot of guys can get better absolutely but I think he's the one player that has a huge gap I actually kind of see that can make the team a lot better immediately yeah man 
Yeah, man, I, I get it. I get it. I, I think that there's a lot of, hey, since December 4th, when the Knicks changed their rotation, they were a 53-win pace team. I think there's a lot of, hey, when they got Josh Hart and on, they were a 58-win pace team, you know, that people are like, oh, of course you just apply that to the course of a full season and the math works out. I'm not there. However, I'm also a little not there with you in regards to the fact that I have Cleveland at number four. So I have the Cleveland Cavaliers at number four. Why, 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 why? In an offseason where so many people are hyping up the Cleveland Cavaliers as a dark horse one seed, do I have them as the four seed? Let me tell you two things, Zach. Here's thing number one. In the last 18 games of Cleveland's season last year, there were two out of those 18 games in which both of the following categories were true. The opponent was over 500. The game was on the road. I'm going to say that again, both for you and the listeners at home. Cleveland played 82 regular season games last year. In their final 18, only two of those games qualified as being both against a team over 500 and a road game. Cleveland, if they were playing a good team, they were at home. If they were playing on the road, it was a bad team. They had a really, really easy peasy end of season schedule. And it's why I said during last season that they'd finish ahead of the New York Knicks and that the Knicks wouldn't go on some run to finish in the fourth seed and get home court advantage. I knew it would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know their record towards the end of the season? Like it was at a huge surge at the end of the year. Yes. Compared to the rest. The, the, the Knicks were the Knicks were ahead of them in the standings and that they ended up getting home court advantage in that series because um they they finished out the year so strong. If you want to look to, uh, they did finish four games ahead, but yeah, that's the thing. The la- it was the last eighteen games that were such a big deal. So you look to before the playoffs, um, they lost to the Hornets, <laughs> all right, but and the, the then they they beat the Magic, they beat the Magic, they beat the Pacers at home, lost at home to the Knicks, lo- lost on the road to the Hawks. They won against the Rockets, the Nets, the Nets, the Wizards, the Hornets. The Hornets, <laughs> you know, uh, they beat the Pistons at the end of the season. They beat the Raptors at the end of the season. It was a lot of games, a lot of wins at the end of the year that came against weaker squad, Zach. And so that's my first reason as to why, despite everyone buying Cleveland as a number one seed, I'm not as in on them continuing that momentum into this next season. The second reason is more storyline oriented. And I know I like to keep it on the court, but this episode, I have made a really big point of day-to-day, game-to-game motivation. And I got to tell you, Donovan Mitchell's free agency in 2025 is getting closer and closer every day. Every day, we are one day closer to Donovan Mitchell being a free agent. And I understand from the consensus of NBA Twitter that probably nobody thinks he's extending in Cleveland, except for the the biggest Cleveland fans or um, the biggest believers of player loyalty, whether it's Mitchell or anyone. I don't think anyone's very confident that he's staying in Cleveland. I personally think he's more likely to, to walk for Brooklyn than he is to walk for the Knicks. Um, I think McCall is someone he would love to team up with. I think Brooklyn has something going on that he would love to be a part of. And I think ultimately he does look at the Knicks and he sees Brunson with the majority of the ball handling responsibility, sees opportunity for himself in Brooklyn to be the number one unquestioned lead ball handler. I think he likes what he sees. So I would say Brooklyn is more of a, more of a threat than New York to land him in free agency, but, 
at the end of the day, it's the fact that we're having these conversations that is the cause for this all. I do think the team will be worried throughout the season that he's going to leave. I do think that affects their game-to-game motivation. I do think when you're going into a game thinking, oh, I hope my teammate extends past this year or else we might really stink. Uh, we'll show him. We'll be good. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go out tonight and get up 14 shots and show Don that we're going to be good without him. You start creating these storylines in your head that aren't real. And you need to make the most of the season, the last season you have with him, especially because of what you gave up for him. You need to be ready to, to go contend. Um, and they're not. So I, I'm going to buy this to not fall apart, but just not hold sturdy enough to be a one seed over Milwaukee or Boston, which I think is crazy that people are suggesting. So I'm not in with that. I do get it. But you're really counting on a Mobley leap that I'm not sure Mobley has it in him to make happen. I said last playoffs, that guy needs two years and 25 pounds. We are one year away and about 20 pounds away from that. So um, I've got Cleveland at four. What about you, man? Yeah. So I said New York, New at, York four. at four. So I would guess Cleveland is definitely at three for me. Okay. There we go. Um, That's what and, I was asking, like where you got Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. So my tier two, though, is basically Cleveland at three to the Sixers at six. Um, and I think those teams are all really close for the regular season wise. Um, and uh, like I said, I have four or five tiers throughout the Eastern conference. Um, I will say the Knicks though, I mean, they were relatively healthy compared to most teams outside of Mitchell Robinson. And I do think that guy matters for winning. So he only played 59 games. Brunson only played 68. Those games, hopefully both go up and, that's what how this team flirts with the 51 season. I mean, you could argue, arguably say those are the two most important players on the team, and uh, that matters quite a bit. So their upside from 47 is there. I do see a very clear path to that. Uh, the Knicks just got so much better in the offseason, like depth-wise. Uh, Max Struess and um, who else did they pick up? Um, they, one other guy I really liked. Um, I'm blanking on right now. I'm looking it up, though, but... Um, a full year of Mitchell Garland together um, is so needed. Garland missed a lot of games last year. And I just think those guys are going to have one of the most fun backcourts. Um, uh, I take that back. They played Niang, a lot of games together. Niang or Jerome? Uh, I like Niang. But, but who, who's like the that. one you couldn't remember? Was it Ty Jerome or, or? No way. It was right? definitely, it was Niang. I guess. It was Niang. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, and he matters. I mean, three point shooting just gives him more depth, but he's not too epic. Um, I'm not going to say that by any means, but Max Struth is a really big one. Um, and I thought this team was already dead. Oh, Emily Bates. I think he could matter. And they've talked very highly as a rookie about him right away. Um, he's a guy that has a skill set. I could see, uh, making a difference by just I can see him sticking. Shooting. I can see him sticking um, in the league. I don't know if he plays as a rookie, man. I hope he does. Um, I think they shooting is how these guys are going to win a lot of games. I think they're just going to outshoot a lot of teams, and they're elite defensively as well. Um, so I think they have just about everything besides uh, perimeter defense. Um, but they do have pieces that can play it. It's just removing the two guys that you need to be out there um on the perimeter so it's a lot of creativity is gonna how you get to that perimeter defense and what have you um but i really like this team i think depending it, it all comes down to evan mobley on how high their ceiling is as a team but i mean it, it's conference conference finals ceiling for me i mean if evan mobley develops 
if Isaac Okoro, we can get a little more out of him. I mean, this team could have a championship roster. I, I truly believe that. Uh, but that's if they can guard Giannis at whatsoever. Um, that's what it's going to come down to, to me. I think this team can beat Boston. Um, but, I mean, that's them peaking. And Evan Mobley taking a leap that I'm I'm with you. I, I do believe it's there in Evan Mobley. I don't necessarily believe with Donovan Mitchell on the roster that's bound to happen because he needs more usage for it to happen. And I don't think he's getting that usage this year. Um, so who's your number three? I've got the New York Knicks at number three. Um, I, you know, like right, I told right. you, I'm not super in on the storyline that, oh, you just take 58 win total that that pace and you just apply it to their full season and say that's going to be their win total. You know, New York is due for for someone, you know, unfortunately, maybe missing some games or, or you know, they've had pretty good injury luck recently. And I know it's sports. You know, it, a lot of it is luck. Right. So, um, you, you know, you think things might happen where, you know, someone misses a couple games, maybe nothing serious, but New York is already the reason I bring this up is because they're a nine man rotation where Josh Hart's the backup for, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a matter of not having a whole lot of front court depth that they trust with big playoff minutes. Jericho Sims is someone they really like internally. Thibodeau likes him, but I don't think that's someone they want playing the backup five in the playoffs or especially not the four. Um, and basically I, I, I just think that, the team is going to be good. The team is going to go out and do what it takes to win regular season games against the majority of opponents. I have this Knicks team marked for about 49, 50 wins flat. Um, and that's where I think they're going to be. I think these next two teams are, are several wins better than them. I think the Cavaliers are right there around them. I think the Hawks will be high 40s as well. I just have the Knicks edging out the Cavs and Hawks by just a win or two um, each. And the reason for that being the continuity, the sustainability and, and the momentum they have, you know, I think something with the Knicks, that's a little different than teams like Cleveland or Atlanta, Cleveland and Atlanta, they each, they each doled out three first round picks for a guard that in his time with them thus far has underperformed. Is that fair? Donovan Mitchell, first team, all NBA had a great regular season, right? And yeah, then what he underperformed in the playoffs. Then what sure happened? And, and he, he's known as a playoff riser and he dropped. That's brutal. Um, it's also going to happen to guys, right? That's okay. We don't need to, we don't need to write off Mitchell's career because of it or anything. I just think there's so much pressure in Cleveland and Atlanta for those teams to be good. And with the Knicks, it's kind of like, Hey, we, we should be good. And if we're not, we have so many assets to go get Joel Embiid. <laughs> it's just, I think that having that parachute is comforting to them. Um, you know, I have heard that Embiid would be interested in playing for the New York Knicks. You know, I don't think it's something that is totally out of out of the window or out of left field here. Um, sorry, Astros fans, for making you think about baseball again tonight. But basically, I, I don't think it would be out of left field. I, I just think that the Knicks are in a position now where these last couple seasons, I've described them as house money going into the year, and it's because they are. And the Knicks keep getting better. They keep doing what it takes to make the next year also be house money. I just, I'm just, I'm in on this Knicks team. I'm in on what they're building. I'm in on them organizationally. I'm in on the fit on the court. And I just don't think they have the talent to be a one or two seed in this Eastern Conference. But that's okay. I've got them as the three seed. Um, and the reason I have them over teams like Cleveland and, and Atlanta is because they've shown that they're better than these teams. They just beat Cleveland in the first round of the playoffs for the second year straight. 
Donovan Mitchell got sent home in the first round of the playoffs by Jalen Brunson for the first year. Jalen Brunson did it as a number one option. And for the second year straight consensus rankings have Mitchell far over Brunson. So the Knicks have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder too. No matter how much they win, they don't seem to get that respect up front. They need to earn it on the back end. I think that they're a good bet to go do that, especially with a coach like Thibodeau. Love it. So number two, number one for me, tier of their own um, super tough debate. Um, coming down to it for me, I mean, came down to thinking about depth. I leaned towards Milwaukee's depth. I looked at games played last year. I looked at um, all these variables and I don't know. I, my instincts just went to Jalen Brown uh, missing about the same amount of games. Giannis missed um, all these other things played out. They were one game apart last year. Um, Tatum and Giannis are both MVP candidates. They'll, they'll both have a great shot at winning it this year, in my opinion. Um, my thing is, if Giannis is out, I think the Bucks are worse than if Jason Tatum's out. I think the Celtics are a better team. Um, take those two teams off them. So that's a big part of my rationale there. But for me, the main reason why I'm going Bucks at two, Celtics at one, is because the coaches and I trust Joe Missoula um, in year two. I mean, to win very close to the same amount of games he won last year at 57 with a better team than he had last year, in my opinion, um, a more talented team, as long as they got two of the big four out there and you can put Derek white and make it a big five, what have you, as long as they got two of those guys, they should be able to beat any team, any night, in my opinion, um, in the regular season, that is. Um, Milwaukee, I mean, it comes down to Giannis <laughs> being healthy. It really does, in my opinion, um, for them to win a lot of games. And I just don't necessarily believe in this head coach yet, Adrian Griffin. Time will tell. Um, but I think they're going to be amazing. I mean, talent exceeds the fit. I think these two teams are going to be battling for everything for the next couple of years. It's going to be a lot of fun. Where are you at on one and two? So I agree with you, man. I've got Boston one, Milwaukee two. This is something I danced with for a while in my head. I really wanted to put Milwaukee one and Boston two because that's how I think I see it when it comes playoff time. Same. However, despite the fact that I do not buy Missoula as a head coach, I am not in on him. I don't like him as the head coach of the Celtics team. Okay, let's start there. Despite that fact, and that's part of why I'm lower on them come playoff time than a team like Milwaukee. Despite that fact, the continuity, it's there for me. There's something to knowing the ins and outs of a coach and, and how he works and, and not needing to adjust. Damian Lillard is going to be adjusting not only to a new coach, but a new city. Um, listen, you want to talk about him being a pro's pro and, and yada, yada. Sure. Great. He's been in Portland for a very long time. I'm confident that there are going to be some things for him to adjust to. That's just how it works. I also think that Boston's depth screams regular season monster. Sam Hauser is going to be going off for like 17 points on games against teams in games against teams like the Knicks that have trouble against leaving their trouble with leaving guys open in the corner because they always prefer to double the star. Um, that's why Joe Ingles made seven threes against the Knicks last season, but Giannis had a, had a, a low impact game. Um and the Bucks won, right? But I just think, you know, in situations like that, it's one thing. Um, but 
in the playoffs, I don't trust guys like Hauser or O'Shea Brissett to make real impacts. Agreed. That's why I'm low on Boston's front court. I think they need buyout help, trade help, whatever it is. They need some of it. Um, but in the regular season, it's going to go great and it's going to work great. And I buy their health and all like, I think they stay healthy all season. I just think it works out for them. I think come playoff time, something might happen where, okay, now um, after a full year of being healthy, Horford's left leg is flaring up like it used to. And it's right. from back to Philadelphia, every January or February, Horford has a left left knee problem. That's not his fault. He's 37 years old, man. The, the, the problem for me is that his backup is O'Shea Brissett. And Porzingis' backup is Luke Cornett. And these are not guys that I look at in a playoff series and I go, oh, yeah, they got this one in the bag tonight. So with all those questions, it's hard to have them as a as a unquestioned top flight team in the Eastern Conference. Um, but they are the top team in the Eastern Conference. And the reason is because Drew Holiday playing out of the post and creating for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the outside is going to go so well with Horford's smart passing. Porzingis' floor spacing. It's going to go really well. It's going to work really well for them. Derek White's going to win sixth man of the year. And Joe Mazzula will have a case for coach of the year, despite being maybe a, a bottom five. Stop it. How do you say that about a guy who's a rookie head coach and was a couple his quotes baskets. this preseason have been beyond disheartening. I, I can't I, I, will I can't say, be in like, to get into them right now. I just think that it is the it is the talk of a man who's really hoping he has control over his locker room. And I think that the only coaches that have any control over their locker room are the the ones that just act like they do. When you just act like you have control over locker room, it comes with that. Missoula's trying very hard to be like, hey, I'm the teacher here. I'm in charge, guys. Check out my flashcards um, that got leaked on Quizlet to the entire NBA Twitter. Uh, Listen, man, I just think that he's not the best. I don't want to make this all about the coaching. I want to talk about how great of a basketball team Boston's going to be. I want to talk about how great of a basketball team Milwaukee's going to be. I think Adrian Griffin's going to have a really nice rookie head, uh, head coaching year, you know? But my thing with Missoula is it's corny, but even Mike McDaniel has that leader of men aspect to him um, that I know is a little. I think oh, I like the similarities. A little, them. a little. But old I prefer fashioned. Mike McDaniel a lot. I, I know. I, I like the. I think it's an old-fashioned view to be like, oh, you got to be a leader in the locker room. But it, it, McDaniel has that coolness about him. Missoula is anxious. Missoula is nervous, and I, I am afraid that with a team so good, he will regress into coaching scared. That's not something that's an option for this Boston team. I'm going to have Milwaukee as my, my team to win the East when it comes playoff time. And it, listen, that's just my prediction right now. If Boston goes out and looks how they need to look, I will change that accordingly. You trust me. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to look like an idiot. I will change my prediction. You trust me. But for right now, I got Boston one, Milwaukee two, um, New York three. Those and, and, you know, yeah. We don't need to go down the rest. But... We don't, as, exactly. <laughs> Good conversation, man. I think the biggest disagreement, honestly, was um, where I had Orlando. That's probably the big thing that stuck out, and uh, the bottom feeders. And I'm the relying a little more on precedent in this list, um, and you're relying a little more on on like what you think goes down, which I really like. I wish I had that confidence. I I just I don't know that Orlando takes that that leap in the win column this year. You know, they have to become a team that yeah. almost wins a lot of game first. So. I saw um, it with Phoenix. I, I saw it with Atlanta. Good, good. That's, I hope I'm wrong. I saw it with Phoenix too. I, I've been. I'll tell you, I, I didn't necessarily see it with New York. So I was, I was Booker over Mitchell back then. Um. Anyway, listen, man, the Eastern Conference is going to be one hell of a race to watch. 
I can't wait to continue to break this down with you and Albert throughout the course of the season, continuing to have great guests on the show, continuing to have great basketball discussion. I am so happy with the way we presented these rankings. Cause I really feel like I understood every ranking you had. I understood awesome. where you were coming from. So I, I love this discussion. I love how it went. I'm so happy we got to sit and talk about this before the season started to our listeners. We're sorry. Al couldn't be here when you're as famous as him. You have all sorts of other obligations. So Al busy tonight, Zach and I ready to talk some hoops and, and hopefully we scratched your guys's itch for some good hoops. He's literally hit 90% of his football bets this weekend. And thank you, Al. I appreciate that very dearly. He Um, is a special talent. If you don't know, you got to get on him. So he had to, recap his picks and that's what he's late doing but he'll be on hopefully for western conference al's twitter will be in the bio uh, the description of this episode go follow al at analytics capper go follow zach go follow myself but if you follow none of us if you go unfollow all of us i still ask that you rate the show five stars you subscribe to the youtube you follow us on apple or spotify you give us that five star rating leave a comment telling us why you like the show or what you don't like about it but thumbs up this video subscribe to the channel if you're watching on youtube do your best to support the pod because we appreciate it so much thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of all things nba al zach and i will continue to keep you guys covered on everything going on around the association as long as you stay tuned in and to our constant stream of thoughts our basketball analysis and bad jokes peace out